Welcome to the week eight version of the podcast here on thelines.com. It is Matt Brown. It is Steven Andrus. It is Adam Candy. And we are going to run through each and every one of these NFL games, give you our thoughts, any bets that are in our account, any leans we might have, or if we are avoiding the game at all costs, why we're doing that as well. Prop bets sprinkled in along the way as well. Thursday night, I had a football game that happened, but we're just going to let you go on with all of that. It was a convincing Bills win that should have been bigger than it actually was, so we'll just move right on here into the first game of the week in which I've heard some differing opinions on the Philadelphia Eagles at the Washington Commanders. It is seven now on the road in favor of the Eagles. 43 and a half is the total. Adam, the different opinion that I hear is, hey, look, we know Jalen Hurts is playing hurt. They're telling us as much that he is playing hurt. He's not ever listed on the injury report, basically, at the when the final injury report comes out each and every week. But now we are left to try and figure out just how hurt he may be. Is it a hurt that actually could per- affect his performance? We have seen the tush-push work, you know, continually throughout the course of the season, so it doesn't seem to be some sort of uh, anything that would prevent them from running that, which makes this offense incredibly efficient. It's just an interesting angle that I keep hearing this week of, hey, look, we're betting on a team that we know that has an injured quarterback. I guess the takeaway is that Jalen hurts. Uh, But seriously, guys, but seriously, guys, Mm -hmm. uh, that's the sort of bad joke that you make when you don't really have a read on this (laughs) game. Uh, Injured quarterback as part of it, but also... Listen, last time we looked at these two teams getting together, it was Washington getting more than a touchdown uh, in Philadelphia. Now we turn around and, and have a similar spread right after they went to overtime uh, between those two teams just a few weeks ago. I don't have a great read on where Philadelphia is. I don't know that I learned a ton last week other than the fact that they have a lot of maulers up front on both sides of the ball. And I don't know that that is as big of a mismatch this week as it was last. We already know how bad the Washington offensive line is. It's not like we know that there's a good Sam Howell and a bad Sam Howell the same way there's a good two and a bad Tua under pressure. So uh, no play for me on this game. Steven, this is a team that you and I have been higher on than everybody else over on the staff all season long and I look at it from the standpoint of I'm very high on the Eagles I think the Eagles win this game that being said it's not in my account I can't really tell you why it's not in my account I have not liked anything about Washington of late the defense the one thing we thought we could count on has not been there this year it's actually been atrocious and then you just have Sam Howell who continues to kind of like wet the bed in some of the most obvious situations I sent you and Adam a a a little bit of a graph that um earlier in the week that showed in we you've talked about this several times in the pod and we will continue to bring it up that yes sacks can sometimes be the product of a bad offensive line sack can also be the product of a quarterback that doesn't know the situation can't feel pressure doesn't know when to get rid of the ball etc 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 and we have seen that that Sam Howell kind of fits the bill there for that type of of player so you know, I think the Eagles win. If somebody said they wanted to tease this for the Eagles down from seven to one, I wouldn't talk them off of it, but it's not in my account. I don't know why. I just kind of want to sit back and, and let this ride. 
I think we were right to be higher on Washington coming into the season than, than the market was. The problem is week to week betting this team. I don't know which week to bet them and which week they're going to lay an egg. You know, it's just, they've been very uh, erratic, very volatile. So I do agree that this price seems rich. If you want to back the Eagles, just based on Adam's logic, they played a couple of weeks ago. We don't have major injuries. And if you flip home field, this really should be less than seven based on the closing number last time. Um, so I can tell you that our senior writer, Mo Nawara, has already backed Washington at plus seven. But as we record right now, um, around four o'clock Eastern time on Friday, we're starting to get a little heavier juice on the Eagles seven. So I have mm -hmm. no reason to bet Washington right now. Let's just see if we get even more Eagles steam here and somehow get up to seven and a half. So if it gets there, I'm, I'm definitely betting Washington at that point, but right now, why not wait and see if even more Eagles money comes in? Yeah. I guess the only other angle could be in this, that, that total of 43 and a half. If you're, if you actually think that the commanders can have any sort of success whatsoever, against this Eagles defense, then you might be shading towards the over in this thing because I can't imagine a scenario in which Philadelphia isn't able to just shred this defense. I mean, com the commander's been horrible. I mean, it's been it's been terrible. And so I don't, unless Jalen Hurts really is hurt pretty badly, I can't imagine that. So um, if you have any faith whatsoever in Washington, I think you'd be leaning towards the over in this game. New Orleans Saints and the Indianapolis Colts. This is sitting one in favor of the Saints as we sit right now. 43 and a half is your total. Steven, Gardner Minshew, kind of a misleading box score last week. Lots of yards, but if you look, it was a lot of splash plays. Like, I mean, there was a 75-yard catch. There was a 60-yard catch. There was a 42-yard catch. So it was like, it, you look, and you're going, oh, he was actually under 50% passing for the game. That was just an incredible amount of splash plays. Uh, that he got there. And then, of course, the Saints, just a very confusing team overall. I tend to lean towards the Colts, but not in the account. I don't know why either. I have bet the Colts in this game, yeah. and I think they were I don't incredibly... Yeah. I think they were incredibly unlucky to lose that game to the Browns last week. And I know that Minshew turning the ball over is part of the handicap. That's what he is at this point. But... The Colts had 6.8 yards per play against the Browns last week. Splash plays or not against that defense. That is that is very impressive. And they lost because of a, a late pass interference penalty that was kind of nonsense, in my opinion. They lost because Miles Garrett is Superman and jumped over an, a line without touching anybody to block a field goal. The Colts over the past three weeks are fourth in the NFL in net yards per play. And with this offense in Minshew, I think they're going to be able to move the ball again against the Saints defense. The Saints continue to be outside the top 20 in pressure rate. And offensively, if you look at the metrics overall for the season, uh, Derek Carr is actually a little behind Minshew in a lot of these stats. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say Derek Carr is worse than, than Gardner Minshew. I just don't think that even on his best day right now, he's much better than Minshew. So combine that with just how putrid this offense has been in the red zone and their inability to punch it in. I like the home dog in this situation. And I think if you look at the two coaching staffs, I'm very high on Shane Steichen. And I think this is a big game planning play calling edge to the Colts in this game against Derek Allen and company with Derek Carr still at the helm. Adam, uh, I, 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 
I actually think, you know, when I look at the power, I am first, I understand that I view this a little bit biased. I am much lower on the saints overall than I think most people are out there in the market from a power rating standpoint. I have not seen anything on the offensive side of the ball that has really given me much faith that they're going to be able to consistently put the ball in the end zone. And then on the defensive side, not as stout this year as I thought good, not as stout as I thought, and certainly have allowed some other teams to, uh, to move the ball up and down the field. They've been pretty good in the red zone is what's kind of kept them in a lot of these games. I wouldn't fault anybody. I mean, Steven's on the Colts. I wouldn't fault anyone for betting the Colts. If I had to play a side, I'd probably play the Colts in this thing. And yeah, another one of these games in which if it got to a point and a half, would I feel bad about playing the Colts in a teaser up to seven and a half? Do I think the Saints have it in them to blow anybody out in this current kind of iteration? Probably not. So maybe that's the angle here for me is just to wait and see if the Saints can catch a, another half a point in this thing. Yeah, I understand where where you're coming from here. Here's my here's my caveat to anybody who's thinking about taking Indianapolis in this spot. If you just look at the past three weeks where Gardner Minshew has taken the helm from Anthony Richardson, uh, if you just go straight by pro football focus grades over these past three weeks, take the 34 quarterbacks who have uh, qualifying stats, the only quarterback who's been even close to worse than Gardner Minshew has been P.J. Walker. He has been, uh, by the pro football-focused numbers, a, a good measure, even worse than Jordan Love. 33 out of 34. 12 turnover-worthy plays, the highest turnover-worthy play percentage in the league. Um, that being said, I don't want the Saints on the other side because all I have to do is look at last Thursday night and say, am I getting the Saints and the dink and dunk throw it to the running backs taste them up the middle for five yards game plan that i had for three quarters or am i getting the oh Derek carr still has something in his arm and rashid shaheed and michael thomas and chris Olave are actually pretty decent receivers mm. rip it open game plan that i got in the fourth quarter i don't know and i'm not going to try to coach my bet and say well if only they would open it up a little more yeah no thank you i'll pass on this one the only other thing here I will mention, we've we have we have targeted we've mentioned this a few different times on this pod, and it has played out every single time. I don't know how much pull that Michael Pittman has. It's not the same as a Jamar Chase or an AJ Brown or whatever else, but like we have yet another squeaky wheel narrative in this thing where Michael Pittman is not happy about his role in this offense and how little he has been targeted. And we have seen this play out three different times this year with three different wide receiver ones, and they got peppered with targets the next week. I don't know if Pittman is on the same level as some of these other guys, but it's at least worth He's mentioning not. Pittman, who has a, like Pittman is a dude that is pretty mild mannered actually. So for him to come out and say that he is disgruntled, I don't know how seriously they take it, but I think it's at least worth mentioning. I, I think Josh Downs is a superior separator as a receiver to Michael Pittman. That's what he was coming out. Josh Downs in that Indianapolis organization has gotten high praise from Reggie Wayne since the draft process started, despite his draft capital. So, uh, and let me tell you, even though he's retired, Reggie Wayne still has a lot of say when it comes to wide receivers in that organization. There's kind of like a, a legacy culture there in Indianapolis still where these guys hang around. And um, yeah, I, I don't think Michael Pittman with a new head coach has much sway in that offense. This is not this is not a Devontae Adams situation, in my opinion, personally. Jacksonville Jaguars and the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is two, two and a half in favor of the Jags on the road over the Steelers. 
40 and a half to 41 is your total. Adam, we see the Steelers come out of the bye last week. Didn't get much going in the first half. Second half started to look at least a little bit more like an NFL offense. I think Deontay Johnson being out there did certainly um, do them this offense some good. And I think that there is at least some hope if you're a Steelers backer out there that him being on the field just in general, if it's not going to him, defenses have to account for him and then it opens things up for everybody else. So I do think that there is something to that in all of this. Of course, the Jags biggest thing is just this injury report from them in which like you're getting a whole bunch of guys listed as questionable, most notably Trevor Lawrence, Brandon Sheriff, all these guys like that that are still listed as questionable. They're all expected to play, but how injured are they? Has this gotten worse even though they played last week? You know, all of that. That's why I couldn't get the Jags in there, man. Like when this opened at two, I do a show on Sundays and, it, it, you know, this lined open at two and I was like, oh, that seems short. I couldn't put in the account then and I still don't have any in the account now. And um, I don't exactly know why. Yeah, there does feel like there's something I'm missing in this game. And yet this is the first of what I'm going to call. Uh, we'll call it my IRS Shakespeare week. Because on the Shakespeare side, not a lot of plays. But on the IRS side, man, am I full of leans uh, this week. I have all of the leans. I have a strong lean Jacksonville. I haven't played it yet. Uh, this Pittsburgh team is 130% fraudulent. Uh, this is as bad of an offense as there is in all of football. Deontay Johnson helps. And Deontay Johnson is part of the reason that they put together the drives they absolutely had to put together in order to beat the Rams this past week. And those were really the two good drives they had for the entire game. And they got one touchdown based on another one of those miracle defensive plays. I had to watch the play with TJ Watt out in coverage like four times before I realized, where did he line up? Like, where did you even start TJ Watt on that play? I think you fooled uh, Matthew Stafford at the same time. And then you have the Rams miss two field goals and an extra point. The voodoo is strong with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they are by EPA, the 28th rated non-garbage time offense in the league. And I think this Jags team, as you mentioned, Matt, uh, I think they are just about at the point where they hit their stride. And so, uh, if Pittsburgh is going to continue to do this, I'm probably going to continue to lose going against them because I know that there is a spot where the bottom drops out on this team. And this, to me, gives me the opportunity at less than a field goal with Jacksonville to be able to play against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I've actually got the added benefit of the mini buy with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'll take it. Steven, I do the the I wanted to get a piece of this game, and so I ended up playing over 52 and a half receiving yards on Christian Kirk. If you look, Christian Kirk is getting right now, he's running routes on 87% of the dropbacks. He is getting a 25% target share. He is getting 27% of the air yards. And so it's it's everything I'd be looking for in a fairly low total like that for what I consider to be the wide receiver one in this offense. And, you know, listen, will Calvin Ridley eventually overcome him at some point, either this season or next? Probably. But this season, for whatever reason, Trevor Lawrence is just honed in on, on Christian Kirk. Like He just loves throwing to him. I guess he just, you know, familiarity type of stuff and all the things that go on with all of that. And so 
I'm going to keep riding it from that aspect. And so I did get a piece of the game from that uh, from that point of view. This almost feels like a prove-it-to-me game, though, for the Jags. I don't know how you feel about it, but it's like if the Jags are actually for real and we should take this team seriously, and this is a team that we can honestly look at and say, could they possibly make a run and be the team that could possibly challenge the Chiefs when this is all said and done in the AFC? This is a game they got to win, right? I mean, like this is kind of a go-prove-it that you're not just a flash in the pan. I, I completely agree, and I, I I don't think that the Jags are the Super Bowl contender that I hope they would be coming into the season. I think there's they're a clear step below the top couple of teams in the AFC, but I also think there's still some untapped upside here. I thought um, that it was kind of crazy that they closed as an underdog last Thursday night on the road despite Trevor Lawrence playing in that game. Um, hindsight's 2020. He certainly looked a lot more mobile than most of us expected, but just on its, on its face, if Trevor Lawrence is playing in that game, I don't know why the line didn't move back further to them being a short favorite. So I thought that line was wrong to begin with this week. They get a little more respect. It's up, you know, about a point from the look ahead in favor of Jacksonville to echo Adam's point turnover EPA. So net EPA per play off of turnovers, Pittsburgh's top five in the league. So they're getting a lot of voodoo to use Adam's turn. And that's what's bolstered their record here. I I completely agree that Deontay Johnson makes a difference. You know, we saw that from Pickett second half of last year. It was his favorite target. Deontay Johnson is one of the best separators in the league. It, he, he's just more comfortable when Deontay Johnson's on the field and he is clean and good to go after popping up on the injury report midweek. So if I think the, the whole key to this game, and I have bet Jacksonville minus two and a half in this game, just on my theory that they're still being priced a little bit lower than what mm-hmm. they should be. Um, they need to keep Trevor Lawrence clean in this game with the Pittsburgh pressure because Trevor Lawrence's pressure stats when or stats when pressured don't look very good right now. He's 29th in, in completion percentage when pressured. He is bottom five in the league in catchable pass rate when pressured. So that they need to keep him clean to have a good shot in this game. But I love your Christian Kirk look because I don't think the market is totally adjusted to he's the number one receiver. It's not Calvin Ridley. You know, all that preseason talk is out the window. Christian Kirk is the number one receiver on this team. And I still think Jacksonville shorter than a field goal here is is a decent bet. And we hope we avoid the Pittsburgh voodoo. New York Jets and the New York Giants are going to be playing this week. It is now three in favor of the Jets. Now it is a cheap three. So a soft three, as we call it in the industry. 35 and a half is your total in this game. Uh, Steven, this moved off the two and a half this morning when we got news that both of the starting corners for the Jets are going to be in and playing this week. It sat two and a half all week long. It moved on to the three after we get that little bit of information. 35 and a half in an NFL game is a ridiculously low total, yet on principle, I cannot go in and bet the over given just what I've seen on the offensive side of the ball from both of these teams, I just can't do it. I, I should, we all probably should, but I can't do it. Uh, do you have anything here in the jets and giants? No bet for me. I started to consider it once we got official word that Terod Taylor was going to be the quarterback. He's been a little less than league average the past couple of weeks and his advanced metrics uh, in those two games. But 
facing this Jets defense is a different animal. And I don't know, maybe Adam has an observation here to tell me what I'm missing because, you know, EPA and success rates still have the Jets kind of middle of the road defensively, but they have made Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts look silly now at this point. So I think they're better than what some of these metrics are maybe saying. Uh, so I I can't believe in Terod Taylor to take this big of a step up in class against this defense to get there to back them as a home dog as much as I would really like to against Zach Wilson. Yeah, Adam, we look at this and like some of the advanced metrics, interestingly, don't match up with kind of the PFF stuff, which is more a little bit more subjective, right? Where they're going in and just grading players off of watching every single play and all the metrics that they value. They actually have the Jets as a number four defense overall in the NFL. Um, but that doesn't match up with some of the other stuff that we see with this Jets uh, with this Jets team here. You know the Giants better than anybody. Can they find success at all against this Jets team? Let's start by noting this as <clears throat> one of a handful of injury report games in the NFL. Uh, the Giants injury report is one you're going to have to see before you can feel comfortable betting this game. They have three starting offensive linemen who are limited practice questionable to go. So you really need to see where it lands, especially with Andrew Thomas and John Michael Schmitz. Uh, you need to see where both of them end up. Uh, you're getting to Rod Taylor. You more than likely on the Jets side are going to have a team that's a little bit healthier than the Giants one way or the other. Now, how much have we adjusted what we think about Zach Wilson, right? Uh, are we going to look at Zach Wilson and say he is no longer the reason the Jets can't win a football game? Mm -hmm. Now, the Giants, Giants defense has looked a little bit better. Um, I don't know what to credit it to, quite honestly. Uh, I don't know what to say about the game against the Bills and... I don't know what to say about the game against Washington, quite honestly. And that's, again, as someone who watches a lot more of this team than anybody really should in 2023. So the biggest thing that I look at with this game is that Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed both being back in means that the one thing the Giants offense had been able to pick up with Terod Taylor, which was the deep ball, is going to be eliminated, uh, especially with Sauce Gardner back in. That was the thing that was making the Giants offense go in the last few weeks, uh, I would not count on that in this situation, which also means that if he does not have the ability, Tyrod Taylor, to find a one-on-one -on -one matchup pre-snap and just put it up and hope that he's going to get his guy, then he's probably going to be exposed to this bad offensive line more the way that Daniel Jones was exposed to this bad offensive line because he's been able to overcome that in the past few weeks. So... I have a very strong lean to the Jets. Keep in mind, there is absolutely no home field advantage uh, to be had in this game with uh, both teams playing in the same stadium. So there's not really much of an adjustment to make there. Uh, I have the Jets rated on the other side of a field goal against the Giants. So <clears throat> it's not quite there yet because I want to see the final injury report. But this is the next of my hard leans to the Jets. Yeah, and I think now, too, we can pretty comfortably say just on the Jets' backfield, I wouldn't hate any Brees Hall props in this thing. Um, the run defense for the Giants has been pretty poor so far this year, and we kind of thought maybe that Brees Hall would be in a timeshare, but it's pretty much his backfield. Like, this, just it's, it's all Brees Hall for the Jets. And so when you start to look at these numbers, it's fairly low. It's like 61 and a half yards or something like that for, for, for Brees Hall. And so... I think if you look at that and factor in that he's really not getting carries siphoned off from him really at all in this thing, that that's at least an, a, an appealing prop side if you wanted to get some exposure 
uh, to this game in another fashion. Yeah, Stephen? I'll just say that, you know, as we record right now, Friday afternoon, there are some juice threes on the Giants. So if for whatever reason we were to get to two and a half in this game, even if you have to pay some extra juice, that I would be in the in on the Jets at that point. And maybe we'll get there this weekend. We don't know right now as we record Friday afternoon. Houston Texans and the Carolina Panthers. This is now on the other side of a field goal. Three and a half in favor of the Texans on the road at the Carolina Panthers, a total of 43 and a half right in between those two key numbers when it comes to totals of 43 and 44. Adam, what we know here is Carolina Panthers are coming out of a bye in which they have now, uh, they will have a new play caller for them. How much that will affect their offense, don't really know, but it is certainly can't be worse with all of this. And to give credit where credit's due, Bryce Young over the last two games heading into that bye at least looked a little bit more competent, looked a little bit more like he didn't, like he was understanding the speed a little bit better and things were coming to him a little bit better out there. We know CJ Stroud has been great all season long. I don't have to go there. We've, we've talked about that a million times on the pod already. I guess my initial question to you is, is he ready for, is he ready for, for quarterback in a game where he is more than a field goal favorite on the road? Like I know the Panthers have been bad. It's tempting to me to take the three and a half though. I mean, that's been the popular narrative this week is can I lay three or now three and a half with a rookie quarterback on the road? And man, Steven's going to love this. Uh, this long look ahead was three in the other direction. We are talking about a six point flip from where this game was initially. And you can tell me you've downgraded Carolina. I'd buy it. You can tell me you've upgraded Houston. I definitely buy that. Um, that's big ask to go on the other side of three and a half. And it's one of those situations where you have to trust numbers more than your eyes, right? Because your eyes have told you that Carolina is not good. Your numbers have told you that we expected these two teams to be a lot closer on the field than they've proven to be in the first seven weeks of this season. And so you can put some faith in the uh, Thomas Brown taking over, play calling from Frank Reich. You can put some faith in them uh, in teams coming off the bye. I personally have, I had Carolina as a hard lean at three. I think I probably have to play it at three and a half. I don't love it. Um, there's a lot of injury report situation for Carolina on the defensive side of the ball that that is not pretty here right now from Brian Burns to Xavier Woods to there, there are multiple guys who are there. So I'll probably wait to play it because I didn't hate it at three in the first place. Maybe I get part of a stake in at three and a half and then see where this ultimately lands. But I, I think the the Carolina has to be the side you look at if this is going to sit at more than a field goal. Yeah. And this is one of those exercises here, Steven, where, you know, if people wanted to play numbers earlier in the week and because you feel pretty good about a number and then you don't really know where it's going to go, this is your this would be your classic middle opportunity. This was two and a half. It moved all the way through three to three and a half. Is this likely a field goal game? I could definitely see this game being a field goal game when it all comes down to it and you and you win both sides of this thing. So just uh, again, you know, looking at the early lines and taking advantage of some of those as as you assume that they might move throughout the course of the season 
I mean, throughout the course of the week is certainly something we could look at here. Um, I, I, I'm, I'll admit where you know I'm wrong on some of these teams, and and certainly the Panthers would fit that bill. I think you and I were right on the Texans heading in that we thought this Texas team was going to be a little bit better than everyone was giving them credit for. I actually thought though the Panthers were going to be where the Houston Texans are now. I thought th- I thought these teams would be flipped, right? I thought this would be Panthers are the team that everybody didn't really want on their schedule because they're just good enough to give you fits every week. That hasn't been the case. They're going to make some. They're make, going to make some changes. Apparently, not only from a play calling standpoint, but like a pace standpoint, from trying to run more no huddle. Try, so I guess there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be tried at least here from Carolina. Is that enough for to, to entice a bet for you? At this point, it's it's never Houston minus three and a half. I'm sorry, it's just, that's really rich. Um, and I will admit, you know. I, I did bet Texans minus two and a half earlier in the week. That doesn't help anybody. But if you were in the lines.com discord, which is free, you would have gotten two and a half with the rest of us. Uh, so go join that. But the Texans offense should be able to move the ball pretty well in this game. Overall, they're 16th in pass offense success rate, sixth by EPA, fifth by DVOA. The Panthers defense is not only injured, but they've been really bad. Brian Burns has an elbow. We'll see. They have six defensive players on IR, including, two of the really key pieces in J.C. Horn and Shaq Thompson. So that Texans offense, who's been pretty solid, is now facing a Panthers D that's 29th against the pass by DVOA, 16th by EPA, and 27th by success rate. So Texans should be able to move the ball here. I'm just really scared about this bet, to be honest with you, even though I'm on the right side of three, because there's a lot of smart people this week who are backing the Panthers because of the change in play caller to Thomas Brown. And I think to bet Carolina here, based on what we've seen so far, it really is just blind faith that this new play caller is going to make a huge difference. I um, so I, I, I guess we'll see. We'll see if it plays out that way. I'll say this. If you think it's going to make a big difference and if you think Carolina is live to win this game, then you probably better also sprinkle a little bit on Bryce Young 80 to one to win rookie of the year, because he's about the only other guy I can see really catapulting up the board in the second half of the season that might actually have a chance at catching CJ Stroud, who's now favored over the field. If he has that head to win against Stroud and this new play caller actually makes a difference like you Panthers backers think, then I think that's the better bet this week, to be honest with you and and see if you get some equity the rest of the way. I'm not there. I need to see it first, and I'm willing to pay. So I took the two and a half on the Texans. Yeah, the the play that was given out by one of the popular services out there uh, earlier in the week, one of the prop services, was Adam Thielen on the over receptions. That is now juiced to high, high, high holy hell. So you can't like do that at all. The over five and a half is now at minus one fifty five. Like everywhere, there's a minus one sixty out there for that as well. I can't recommend the yardage on that either, really. I mean, the lowest you can find in the market out there is 63 and a half. The, 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 six, the, the 63 and a half for me is something that I don't think I feel comfortable going with. But I will say this. I cannot imagine that he is still not the focal point of this offense, given how poor this receiving core is. And so I would imagine Thielen still gets his early and often. If this were to tick to six and a half and you were able to get some plus money on the receptions might be something I would be tempted to get into the account. But again, that's uh that's wishful thinking. You have to check back in throughout the course of the week. 
New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. This is nine and a half in favor of the Dolphins at home against the Patriots. 46 and a half to 47 is your total. Steven, just coming through as we were recording, Tyreek Hill removed from the injury report, not even on the injury report. So despite the fact that he had to miss practice earlier in the week, he is going to be a full go for the Dolphins. I am not putting a ton of stock in what I saw last week out of the Patriots. That said, I think I can't be completely blind to the fact that they were able to find some success against a Bills defense that we saw this past week can still stifle bad teams. I mean, we, we saw them completely shut down the Bucks, which were which is a bad team, and somehow the Patriots were able to find some success against them. That being said, like I like I've said all year long. I, this this Dolphins team against bad teams, they just truck bad teams. Like I, I, they're going to struggle against good teams from time to time, but man, they just truck bad teams. I put the Patriots in the bad team category. It's probably going to be a contest play for me as opposed to an actual real bet in my account for the Dolphins. But it would be Dolphins or pass for me. I I just can't back this Patriots team that I'm so incredibly low on. So they, they didn't truck New England the first time earlier this year. However, Christian Gonzalez is not playing in this game. The guy that Tyreek yes. Hill. Judon had. was out there as well. Yes. The two most important pieces on that yeah. defense, one could argue. So the guy that Tyreek was giving high praise to is not playing this time around. However, the other side of this argument, if the Patriots were able to move the ball and look improved against an injured and bad Buffalo defense last week. The Miami defense is sitting at 24th in pass D by DVOA, 28th in pass D by success rate, 18th by EPA. The rush D is also outside the top 24 across the board. But Jalen Ramsey's coming back. Does that make a difference? So, uh, there's just a lot of muddled stuff here that I'm not feeling really confident about. Um, so I'm just going to pass overall. Adam, the Patriots, I, I mean, I thought maybe they would just kind of go into turtle up, not, not, not tank mode, I should say, but like, you know, I just thought that they would just kind of get beat up the whole rest of the season. Last week was at least a bit surprising to me against the Bills, even though I we kind of gave a little bit of a warning that the Bills were hurt and all the, all the little things that were going on with that. Uh, Dolphins nine and a half though. You're asking for a pretty big number for them to be able to cover this game. Just a little warning on the Jalen Ramsey thing. You know, Schefter reported that he's in Jalen Ramsey said that's news to me. Uh, so keep in mind that Jalen Ramsey himself has said, I maybe. Thank you for that. Shefty getting one wrong, huh? Thank you. Uh, well, uh, according to the man himself, <laughs> it was oh, I, I, will, I, I will always yeah, take it straight so, from the horse's mouth yeah, over Adam Schefter or yeah. any other insider. So that's very important. Yeah, 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 Thank yeah, you for bringing it up. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's it's uh, it was an interesting situation for sure. Uh, only way I can see getting involved in this game is if you think that New England fixed a little bit on the offense last week. And let's be honest, it couldn't have been a lot worse than it had been for the three weeks before that. Then the play is probably over here, uh, over 47. Um, I see no reason to believe Miami's offense will struggle in the slightest. New England continues to be a team that plays a lot of man coverage, and there's just one thing you really don't want to be doing against Tua Tagovailoa and this group of receivers, and it's playing a lot of man coverage without the pieces to play man coverage. Uh, the other part of the equation here is that if you look at what Bill O'Brien did for Mac Jones last week, 
he adjusted the offense. He threw a lot shorter. He made the throws a lot simpler for Mac Jones, and they actually had a pretty decent yards after catch uh, average for those receivers. So Miami's defense is soft, man. Like, and they're going to get better. Jalen Phillips being back in this week is going to make them better. Jalen Ramsey, quite obviously, will make them better. But right now by DVOA, it's the number one offense by DVOA by a wide margin, and it's the number 24 defense overall. So I think if you are confident that you get 14 out of New England, even 17 potentially out of New England, then I think you're looking at an over here because I think Miami is, is a clear over 30 this week. Yeah, Miami defense kind of under the radar been getting a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, actually. They're in inside the top eight in the NFL in pressuring the quarterback. We know Mac Jones. If you if you believe that Mac Jones is who I believe Mac Jones is, that's not a good recipe for, for Mac Jones to have some success. And so I think that there is a I think there's a pretty strong and compelling case for Miami. I do wonder if people when they start like the casual betters out there, when they start betting this come tomorrow or Sunday. I wonder if they don't take the nine and I wonder if we don't get a better number on Miami. I, I don't know. That's, that's my only pause here. And if this thing were to get down, well, you know, we had it at eight, one point, Matt. Yeah. Right? I like mean, we, we had it, it, to it got, to, it got down to eight and a half and it bounced. So, yeah, you know, there um, are other people thinking like you. Yeah. If, if this thing were to get to an eight and that's a lot, that's a lot of movement. I, I get it. But I mean, if this thing were to get to, to eight, I think I would, I think I'd be a buyer on the dolphins at that point, but Straight uh, up or again, tease it down. Of, yeah, that's a lot of. Well, that would it's true. I mean, that's a that'd be a great. If this gets into teaser, teaser range, you yeah. take it and you run because yeah. the teaser leg of the damn decade is coming up later in this show. Yes. Well, I, I'm I hope so, because I have five teasers in my account. this week. We haven't gotten any of the games yet, but I have five teasers in my account this week. Atlanta Falcons and the Tennessee Titans. This is now a very heavily juiced two and a half in favor of the Falcons. This is going to go to three. Um, 35, 35 and a half is the total here. And I said a little earlier in this week to not only Steven, but to our friend uh, Brett Colson as well over at the lines that damn it, here I am and I'm betting the, the farm on the Falcons this week and Desmond Ritter to which they through the computer laughed in my face and told me what a moron I was to which then I brought to their attention. Had we they did, been paying attention, we had laugh. they been paying attention that you would know that during the bye week, whenever it was, everyone's paying attention to everybody else, not this guy, I'm paying attention to the teams that are still on by and a beat writer comes through and said, uh, Hey, just wanted to point this out. Uh, I know it's a bye week, but, Ryan Tannehill is in a friggin' cast up here at the uh, facility right now, and I don't know, casts seem bad. So I was like, Ryan Tannehill ain't playing in this game. Like, it just ain't happening for the Falcons. I have a plus one Falcons ticket in my account. I also have a minus one Falcons ticket in my account. I feel really, really good about it because we are getting Will Levis making his NFL debut for the Tennessee Titans. And while I think that Will Levis probably has the physical skill set to be a good NFL quarterback down the line. I do not expect that to come to fruition against what has been, I'm not even going to say surprisingly. I, I think everybody thought Atlanta's defense had some upside, but it's been a really good defense. Like it has been a good defense so far this year. And so for, for me, uh, I really like Atlanta here. One of the other things that is kind of under the radar too, guys, and you can find this if you are looking 
if you're stats nerds like we are, and there are a million different places you have to go and find stats, but uh, sumersports.com also has the offensive line continuity uh, ratings and stuff over there. Outside of the Chiefs, the Falcons have had the most snaps with their starting offensive line in the NFL so far this year. And so the Falcons, granted, the offense has not lit up anything, but it helps a guy like Desmond Ritter. It helps whenever you know that your offensive line is going to be out there for, for every single snap. And for me, that's a kind of an under uh, kind of an underrated aspect uh, of this Falcons team whenever they're playing bad teams. And this is a bad team in, in my opinion. And it's not only a bad team in my opinion, I think it's a bad team with a quarterback who might find some real trouble heading into uh, heading into this game. I, Adam, I see you nodding in agreement here. So I want to give you an opinion to, to a chance to come in here. So Steven, whenever he tries to defend himself a little bit later, he will have already been beaten up twice in this thing. I was just kind of having a laugh to myself about our pre-show warning to each other about staying short on certain games. And Matt, Matt just gave you like 75 minutes on the Atlanta Falcons, which is not what I expected to hear on this show. But um, I will say something about Desmond Ritter that I did not expect to say when I was looking at the numbers last week, because those of you who listen regularly will know I came on here and talked about the A dot for Desmond Ritter in games in which he had to throw the ball down the field a lot. He was a hell of a lot worse than he was in games where he has to throw the ball short. And I think what what was revealed to me in looking at that this past week against Tampa Bay is that it's less about game plan and more about game state. And it's more about if you're going to ask the Falcons to chase and if you're going to ask Desmond Ritter to try to lead a comeback, that's a lot different than Desmond Ritter within the script of what Arthur Smith would like to do with this offense. And so anything short of a field goal feels like an opportunity here with the Atlanta Falcons because this, and oh God, I hate having to go essentially against myself, but I'm going to do it here because I asked myself last week, self, do you need to take another look at some of Desmond Ritter's numbers just to make sure that what you said on the podcast last week made sense? And I said, self, let's do it. Uh, let's go take another look at Desmond Ritter. And so I went and I did my usual sorting it out by getting the garbage time out. And then I went and looked at just the past three weeks when it came to Desmond Ritter. Like we're talking about a guy who's all but a rookie and how has he settled in and what has it looked like over that course of time? And I was fairly shocked with what I found because I found that Desmond Ritter had been a lot better than I thought he had by the advanced metrics. Um, so I'm looking at weeks five, six, and seven. So the half the season is a small sample in the first place. And there's an even smaller sample mm. than that. But if you go uh, with one of Steven's favorites, EPA plus CPOE composite, uh, Desmond Ritter's the number six quarterback in the NFL over the last three weeks. Better than Kirk Cousins, better than Joe Burrow, better than Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford, and a lot of guys who we think are pretty damn good quarterbacks. And so I think you can approach that game the way that Matt is. I think you can go ahead and take uh, take Atlanta if you want to take Atlanta. The other piece of this equation is if Will Levis is truly going to be the starter in this game, he had no preseason. He has one week of prep because they were on by. Nobody was at the facility. Will Levis has had one week of opportunity to get used to the NFL. And the team total right now is sitting at 16 and a half for the Tennessee Titans against what Matt just told you. It's a pretty good Falcons defense. It's going to be able to put some pressure on. 
if you don't want to trust Desmond Ritter on the road, I get that. But this, even though it sets up for a classic Wong teaser, man, there there is just so much variance with what this Tennessee yeah. offense could be that I can't get myself there. So I think the safer play is probably Tennessee under 16. Yeah, super wide range of outcomes in all of this. I mean, like, Stevens, t- typically you would look at Tennessee and you would say like, oh, it's easy. You ease Will Levis in because you just run Derrick Henry and you got Tajay Sharp or whatever. And, all. and then you look, and it's like, oh, never mind. It's the number one rush defense EPA in the NFL that he's going up against. The number six rush defense and success rate that he's going up against. The fifth overall DVOA rush defense. So Will Levis is going to have to throw the ball. And like I said, I think long-term Will Levis might be I. Right. I don't think it manifests here in his first NFL start with, as Adam mentioned, very limited amount of actual reps, even from in, in NFL practices and scrimmages and things and stuff like that. So uh, love, 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 love the Falcons this week. I think we're spending some extra time here on the Falcons appropriately. I think this week is a, an inflection point on maybe the last stop before the prices get expensive on them for futures and whatnot. There's still plus money about even money to win the division. And I have zero confidence in the other three teams in the NFC South to win the division, especially with the schedule the Falcons have ahead of them right now. And after you went full wrath of Khan, Matt and fired everything against the Titans this week, I said, well, maybe I better do a little bit more digging on this. And I found a lot of stuff you guys mentioned. I'll also mention, I think the Falcons might be sitting on a big one here because they were fairly unlucky to only win that game by three points against the Bucks last week. They had 6.3 yards per play and went just one of five in the red zone against Tampa Bay and one of those fluky fumbles at the goal line that didn't go their way. Um, and, and the matchups here against the defense look really good as long as the – fallacy of rational coaching doesn't kick in and art smith actually lets ritter throw the ball a little bit because the tennessee defense is really good at stopping the run and the falcons are top five in the nfl coming into this game not only in rush rate but first down rush rate so i am hoping and praying that art smith gets off of that a little bit based on the matchup he has in front of him but um if you believe they're going to win this game and with the schedule they have in front of them and all of those metrics Adam said about Desmond Ritter for optimism, maybe you should also be looking at Art Smith 20 to one to win coach of the year at this point, because if all of the preseason favorites are going to be around the top of the conference come the end of the year, which is what it look kind of looks like right now, then the like big improvement coach that makes a big step and wins their division is maybe Art Smith at 20 to one unless Robert Sala makes the playoffs without Aaron Rodgers, then he would maybe be a prime contender as well. But the price is right on old art. And, uh, and Adam, just a, a, a spinoff of our, our sister, uh, sister site podcast that you and I do not listed on the injury report is, uh, <laughs> not listed as B. John Robinson oh. this week oh. at all. Is he not? So, yeah. So How interesting. Uh, you can assure he is going to play a full complement of snaps in this because after the NFL came knocking on the door, wondering why he didn't play even though he wasn't on the injury report. They do not have him listed at all on the injury report this week. We are going to see Bijan Robinson and a healthy dose of Bijan Robinson this week. I can assure everybody of that, so don't worry about it. Start him with confidence in your fantasy leagues because they ain't messing around with that yet again. Minnesota Falcons and the Green Bay Packers. Here's where we start all the teasers, guys. Um, but not the teaser leg you would think because this line has flipped. It is now a point and a half in favor of the Vikings 
Uh, the Packers uh, were point and a half favorites earlier in the week. 41 and a half to 42 is your total here. Steven, I have the Vikings up to seven and a half. I feel I of all the teaser legs I have this week, this one could be the one that I'm a little less confident in, mainly because TJ Hawkinson's nicked up for them. He is such a big part of this offense now that Justin Jefferson isn't in there. I get Addison has looked spectacular, but we know these one-dimensional teams sometimes is it's not that great to when when teams know exactly who to focus on. So that being said, I just can't see the Packers winning at margin. I was glad to take the Falcons. I mean, glad to take the Vikings up. It's not available anymore. If you wanted to lay it with them, even I don't hate it. I got to be honest. Like I, I'm, I think Jordan Love is a bottom 10, 12 quarterback in the NFL. Might end up being a bottom eight quarterback in the NFL. And with that, like, you know what you're getting in the Vikings, right? You just know what you're getting. Like you have a proven commodity against one that's not and i know people love to hate on the vikings and low regression came back to get them and all this stuff but it's like dude it's a proven commodity with Kirk cousins it's a proven commodity with this defensive side they're gonna blitz your they're gonna blitz you to blitz your ass off it just is what it is like you at least know what you're getting with the vikings and i can't say the same with the packers i have a theory that First of all, you and I agreed that the the Vikings rating coming into the season had gone too far. They were they were going way too aggressive in saying the regression was coming for the Vikings. And then they had a lot of bad luck the first month of the season and their preseason rating got downgraded even more despite the fact that they were moving the ball at ease and continue to move the ball really efficiently passing. So, if you look at this matchup with the Packers on the season, the Vikings have a 0.8 net yards per play advantage over the Packers so far this year. And if you read Monawara's yards per play article, the industry standard equation, you divide that by 0.15 and you get a spread of what it would be on a neutral field. So that would be like Minnesota 5.3 in this game on a neutral. So home field advantage in Green Bay, maybe three and a quarter with some juice. So I'm having a hard time trying to figure out why the market is still so slow to upgrade Minnesota here. I saw enough last week without Justin Jefferson that I don't know why the market didn't come in on Minnesota. I should have bet Minnesota plus seven, considering that they were only three and a half against the Chiefs. But apparently everybody thought Justin Jefferson was a big deal. Jordan Addison showed up, had the game of his life. And I just think that this rating for Minnesota is still too slow to adjust. And the matchup is fantastic for them. I know the Packers got a a pretty clean injury report coming into this, but this Green Bay defense is not inside the top 25 in DVOA, EPA, or success rate stopping the run. Minnesota's seventh in success rate running the ball, and the Green Bay defense is 23rd in success rate stopping the pass, and Minnesota's offense is about league average or higher in the metrics, and that's counting some EPA that's crushing them for the early season turnovers. So... I'm going to buy Minnesota at this point, despite this being a road game. And I'm fully with you that Jordan Love just is not there yet and is not reliable. And a lot of this has been garbage time comebacks for his stats and the EPA numbers we see with him. Adam, uh, a lot of the headlines this week, and I get it, you need clickbait. You need people to come in and you need to be able to read your stuff. But a lot of the stuff has been 
weather's coming. Here it is. Uh, It's like they're looking at the lows in Green Bay. It doesn't matter what the low is. They're playing this game in the middle of the day. It's going to be 40 degrees. I mean, yeah, is that cold to me? It's freezing. I wouldn't go outside in that. But these NFL players play in 40 degrees. It's not that big of a deal. So, I mean, everyone's like sitting here talking about like what a oh here's our first like you know cold game of the year it's like nah man that's not it's not even close to a cold game at all like temperature in the 40s if you go back historically and look has basically had no impact whatsoever on scoring at all like you get into yeah you get to 20 degrees yes scoring goes down because you can't feel your fingers but it's 40 degrees these guys are going to be fine so don't buy into all of the nonsense you might hear between now and sunday of it's getting cold in Green Bay, and like Minnesota's not gonna be able to handle it. It's like it's forty degrees. They'll, they'll be fine. I am going to take four letters away from what I usually call the Minnesota Vikings starting quarterback because I've always thought of him as kind of average, maybe just a little bit better than brand name. And so I've always thought of him as Kirkland Cousins. I've always thought of him (laughs) as this is what you could get at Costco, where it's slightly better than average, but it's not really all that great. If you could get a good brand name, you would choose that instead. And I, Kirkland, I'm sorry, you're Kirk. Uh, You are Kirk Cousins so far this season. Fourth by PFF grade. Pick the metric you want to use overall, and Kirk Cousins has looked good. And big part of the reason for that is that the Minnesota line has looked really good in front of him too. Uh, Kirk Cousins hasn't been under a lot of pressure, so you haven't gotten a lot of the usual uh, Kirk variants when it comes to turnovers under pressure. So overall, I don't think that Green Bay is the team that's going to change that this week. Uh, I think Minnesota will still be efficient. The thing you have to realize is that without Justin Jefferson, they're less explosive on offense. They have to be more methodical in terms of how they move the football. And to what Matt said, What scares me about Green Bay, a team that I was fairly high on at the beginning of the season, is that you would expect with a young quarterback like Jordan Love that things would progress in a positive direction, and they've gone the opposite. This Green Bay offense has actually regressed over the first few weeks. They haven't had the offensive line the way they want, but I mean, very few teams have had the offensive line the way that they want, and the only reason that Green Bay was even mildly competitive in that game in Denver last week was a fluky touchdown that bounced off a receiver's hands on a horrendous throw and still ended up becoming a touchdown for Green Bay. So play Minnesota any way you like to echo what the guys have already said. However, I think the other way you can get into this game, if if you're someone who doesn't buy it as much with Kirk, if you're worried about Justin Jefferson, then I would probably look at it and say, I don't have any problem playing under 42 because Minnesota is going to have to matriculate down the field as opposed to explode the way they did with Justin Jefferson. And Green Bay has not been able to score more than 20 points in the last four weeks. A couple of key injuries on the Green Bay side as well. Jair Alexander, Devondre Campbell, both of those guys listed as questionable after only getting in limited practices this week. So we'll see if they're able to go out there. Of course, a, a huge deal. If, uh, if both of those guys can't go on the defensive side. Yeah, Steven? Quick reaction to this hot take. Tell me if you like it or not. Cousins is top four in the NFL in passer rating. He's going to be at least second in the league in passing yards after the week after this week. He's pretty high up there in, in touchdowns. Would you I smell an offensive player money? of the year coming. I hear smell no, an offensive, offensive player of the year coming. Of the year. Is that it? <laughs> Would you sprinkle some lunch money on Kirk Cousins 130 to 1 to win MVP? No, 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 no. Okay. No, this is why I ask these things. This is why I ask you guys first. No, no, they won't have 
they won't they won't have the record to get him into that discussion and you know even though we because you know even though we know like sometimes mvp should not necessarily be completely about record because a quarterback can't play defense as well but um yeah no they won't have the they won't have the record to get there los angeles rams and the dallas cowboys this is six six and a half in favor of the cowboys at home against the rams 45 and a half is your total so Adam, I look at this and I have the Rams, I think, power rated higher than most people. I think they're probably Same. like just an average-ish somewhere between on, on on a good day, like 14th, on a bad day, probably like 18th. But like the range is just kind of right there in the middle of meh, you know, and, and like that's kind of where I have the Rams. This line says otherwise, right? Like this line says that they're kind of one of the lower teams in the NFL. So I think if anything, I would take it with the Rams, but uh, not in the account quite yet. What say you? So uh, in terms of power ratings, you and I are simpatico in that I have the Rams at T13. I have them right with the LA Chargers and the Minnesota Vikings, where there are their teams that I think do enough well that in any given week, they're going to beat the weaker teams in the league, but they're teams that I wouldn't trust at all against mm -hmm. an elite team overall. Now Dallas has elite upside, but they don't do it with any consistency. And the biggest thing that is keeping me off this game, because to your point, Matt, I have it rated Dallas three and a half and it's sitting at Dallas six and a half. However, when Matthew Stafford struggles, Matthew Stafford struggles against teams that can apply pressure and especially teams that can apply pressure without having to blitz. And that is pretty much who Dallas is, right? I mean, they are going to be able to get home against this Los Angeles Rams team. Rob Havenstein is questionable for them to go. That might be their most important offensive lineman uh, overall. So it's a lean to the Rams at seven. It's a play on the Rams because at that point, I will just say, I trust Matthew Stafford and company to be able to chase back a touchdown if they get down 13 or 14. But overall, you have to understand something about this Rams team. By non-garbage time EPA this year, they're the number four offense in football. They've been that good. It's just a question of this situation specifically. I'm a little bit worried about their ability to protect Stafford. Yeah, you look last week, it was mildly concerning they got shut out like in the fourth quarter against the uh against the Steelers to me that was at least mildly concerning um I think that it is more of a product again of sometimes I think Matthew Stafford does tend to force balls Matthew Stafford has like a, a he has a love affection, right, with his wide receivers. If one guy's kind of hot for the day, then he just continues to go to that guy, like, repeatedly over and over and over again. And then I think last week was the opposite. I think, like, he felt bad that Cooper Cup only had a couple of catches in the game. And I feel like he was looking Cooper Cup's way when he didn't really – like, Puka Nakua is just running free, like, out there, like, all over the place. And like he's like, ah, I got to get the ball to – I got to get the ball to Cooper Cup. He's only got a couple of catches today. Like, I, I don't know. It was – it was a little bit odd in that second half anyway for, from the offense. The first time they really just completely struggled all year, and I didn't really get it. Um, Steven, I, 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 I agree with Adam 100%. If this got to seven 
And like I said, there is a six and a half out there. I think it's not out of the range of possibilities that like the Cowboys, who are a fairly popular team, could continue to get money. Uh, bet on them. If it does get to a full seven, I'll go ahead and be in uh, on the Rams. Uh, where are you at in this one? I'm figure on the trigger of the Rams here too, guys. Um, and I actually went to Mo Noir on our staff and, and said, give me a reason not to bet this right now. And, and he said the same thing with the Cowboys pass rush. And I just want to pose the same question to you guys, because on paper, they're only 22nd in pressure rate. And they're only getting yeah. pressure 21% of the time, despite blitzing 30% of the time. So what am I missing here, Matt? Uh, nothing. It's but here's here's the, the perception that they get a ton of pressure. It's because it's always the same guy, and so you it, it like makes it seem like it's more often because they're always calling Micah Parsons' name, and so that to me has kind of skewed what we get with this Dallas pressure, where it's like it seems like it's more than it is because it's always the same guy that's getting it right, and well, so seemingly like always in a huge spot too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and and think about the, it's it's weird, guys, because what it is, I think, is that you have games where they have been absolutely top level elite, and then you have games where they've gotten very little pressure at all, and it kind of meets in the middle when you take that number. Because think of the game against the Giants, think of the game against the Jets, think of the game against the Patriots. They were all over the quarterback, and then you go to the game against San Francisco, and they couldn't tell you what was on Brock Purdy's breath because they never got close enough. Yeah, and I think you make great points there, and the, the numbers bear that out. They've thrived off turnovers against those inferior opponents this year. They are number one in the NFL in net EPA per play off of turnovers. That has bolstered their overall metrics this year. Now, the Dallas defense as well in the weeks without Trayvon Diggs, and I'm taking out the first week because it was a midweek injury and they, they didn't have time to adjust to it, but the three weeks without Trayvon Diggs after that, this Dallas defense is 26th in EPA, 28th in success rate. They are not in the top 23 in dropback EPA or success rate. They are 29th in rushing success rate defensively. But then you flip the other side, and this is what's weird for me. This, again, finger on the trigger. One last thing that I just am having trouble getting by here. I see that top five EPA that you see with the Rams offense, Adam. But what gives me pause is that it's being bolstered by the rushing offense and not Matthew Stafford because the dropback EPA is 22nd. The dropback success rate is 28th and Stafford is bottom five in the league lately um, in, in some of his metrics and the offensive line. If you look at the pass protection across the grading systems, they are not in the top 25 in the league. So it's almost like bad on bad with the passing game for the Rams against the passing game of the defense. And, but it's still six and a half points. So I, these are, these are the things that are giving me pause and I'm, I want to bet it. Help me get there guys. I, I, I would need more info on what Matthew Stafford has been bottom five on and what period of time, because even last week when he wasn't great, he was good enough. He still was the 16th rated PFF quarterback last week overall in the season he's seventh and he leads the league in big time throws so you know I I, I would have a hard time okay so so here's the split looking. just to answer your question yeah. here's the split this is yeah. since week five when Cooper Cup came back now there are two games in that three game stretch against the Philly pressure and the Pittsburgh pressure which might be clouding this way too much that's that's the split here where he's 33rd out of 35 in epa and cpoe composite and 36 or 32nd in success rate 
since so, Cup came back. I'll, I'll close. I'll close with this if we're going to talk about overthinking in general. Maybe I'm just overthinking a game in which I have, have it rated Dallas three and a half and it's six and a half. That might just be it in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have it four and a half. You know, I have it four and a half. Probably should. Yeah. I probably should bet it too, but I, I don't have it in the account. And if Michael Parsons wrecks it, we just live with it. Who cares? Yeah. It happens. Um, Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 800- bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Cleveland Browns and Seattle Seahawks were finally moving into the afternoon games because they decided to put 19 games in the early window and four in the afternoon window. Thanks a Tell lot. Tell me about for- it, Matt. Come, yeah. come, come join me on Sunday afternoons for a radio show with a third of the game's yeah, there. I mean, most of them like gone. I have six TVs. I should be able to watch the vast majority of the games in the morning and the vast majority of the games in the afternoon. This should not be an issue for me. I have six TVs, NFL. Like, what is going on with all I this? drive anyway, a Dodge Stratus. I, seriously, Cleveland Browns, Seattle Seahawks. It's now three and a half. So another game that if you want to know the type of money coming in, because we talked about a game earlier whenever we were talking about um, we were talking about Houston. This also was at two and a half, has moved all the way through the three to three and a half in favor of the Seahawks. 37 and a half is your total. My handicap in this game is, is, is pretty much garbage at this point because I took the two and a half on Seattle. It's now on the other side of the three. It's a little bit harder for me to make the argument, but I will say this. If I had to play this game, given what I know right now about, about this Cleveland Browns team, Adam, I'm, I'm playing the Seahawks because... This quarterback situation is very, very bad for the Browns. And I get it. The defense is still good, and they're still going to get pressure with their with their front four and all of that stuff. But we've seen them get shredded in the secondary a couple of weeks in a row. And I have no faith in them putting actual real offensive points on the board. Like, don't get, you know, we know that that game where they scored all the points was not offensive points that they were scoring. So, even on the other side of three, if I had to play this, I'd still play it at Seattle. Of course, guys, uh, it's not a full endorsement here. You you want to get this to, to three. I imagine there's going to be some people intrigued to take the three and a hook on the Browns. You might see an expensive three flash. If that's the case, I think that would be a buy point for me again if I didn't already have the two and a half. But 
look, a team that can't score the football to me, I don't care how good the defense is. Like, I get it. Browns are good at defense. If you cannot put 10 points on the board with your offense, then that doesn't matter how good your defense is. And that's kind of where I almost feel the Browns are right now. So Seattle's a weird team. I'm going to start on that side of it, right? We've seen them look very, very good. They went into Detroit and won, and we seen we saw them kind of just jerk around with the Arizona Cardinals last week and never really truly pull away in a game where I think everybody felt kind of lucky to get their teasers home that they thought were going to be sort of lead pipe locks. So now let's go to the other side and talk about Philip J. Walker. Uh, the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Um, the bottom three quarterbacks by pro football focus grade this year. Desmond Ritter has a grade of 49. And for comparison, Lamar Jackson leads the league at 90.8. Gardner Minshew has a 48.3. P.J. Walker has a 29.5. And despite that, the Cleveland Browns have won both of the games that he has started. So if I get on here and yell about the fraudulence of the Pittsburgh Steelers, I have to yell about the fraudulence of the last two victories for the Cleveland Browns, especially them putting up 39 points against Indianapolis. And so this is going to be another team total situation where I look at a 16 and a half sitting on the board right now for the Cleveland Browns and Short of a defensive score, and you have to factor that in if you're going to play it that way. Short of a defensive score, I have trouble seeing how a team with no running backs and P.J. Walker at quarterback is going to score 17 points. Uh, If you want to lay the three and a half, I have no trouble laying the three and a half because of this. We're also talking back-to-back road games here for Cleveland, and we're talking about having to make the West Coast trip with P.J. Walker as your quarterback. Number one corner in the NFL by every metric on the uh, on the Seattle side as well. So, you know, not that you really have to erase Amari Cooper when you have P.J. Walker at quarterback, but that is at least something else that we can talk about with all this. Um, Steven, it's just like I, I can admit when I'm wrong on things and it just didn't play out the way they played out for me. I had the Browns as a playoff team. Now I have them as pretty like like, I don't look very highly this team like whatsoever if they didn't have this defense that they have they would probably be in the bottom five or six for me you know in the NFL it's just like you have to at least give credit that the defense is going to keep them in a lot of these games what do you see here from the Browns on the road at was at Seattle First of all, if the Browns or the Steelers take a playoff spot away with their defensive voodoo from my Texans playoff futures at sick prices, <laughs> I'm just going to be beside myself at the end of the year. Uh, last yes. three weeks, net yards per play, Seahawks, number two in the NFL, Browns, number 31 in the NFL. I cannot wait to be sitting on my couch on Sunday and figure out how I lost the Seahawks minus two and a half bet. And if I do, it's probably because the Seahawks are 29th in the NFL in red zone offense and converting touchdowns over the last three games. And they were 21st on that the That is where Geno struggles. It really is. Yes. That's where Geno struggles. Like it, that, you know, that, they, it, they really were the, they were the right side against Cincinnati. Inside joke, guys. Joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Slack yeah. debate on yeah. that Cincy yeah. Seattle yeah. game, but but the um, red zone offense but, is not new for Seattle, Matt. They were 21st yeah. on the season overall at 48, percent 
And that 48% is the exact same percentage that they had last year with Geno Smith. So this is an ongoing problem for them. That's, that's where this goes wrong for Seattle, but I cannot, and we've had a huge argument between myself and a couple of people on our staff, Monoir and Brett Gibbons. And I love our arguments because they are heated, but respectful. And we still are great friends at the end of it. They were lining up to take Browns plus three and a half this week. And I'm like, PJ Walker is horrendous. And they're like, yeah, well, yes, they had a yes. game against San Francisco in bad weather. I'm like, okay, last week in a dome, he was 24th out of 25 quarterbacks in CPOE and EPA composite ahead of only Brian Hoyer. And his his expected completion percentage was pretty solid, except he was 19% below his expected completion percentage at the end of the game and only had a 40% success rate. Oh, but that's only a two-game sample. In past years, Philip Walker Jr. has been a pretty good backup in the NFL. In 21 and 22, he was 52nd out of 55 quarterbacks in EPA and CPOE composite with only a 35% success rate. So you want to take the hook with the Browns and hope that Miles Garrett yeah. jumps over a, a line and blocks a field goal again or something, or they get a crazy flag at the end of the game that gives them the win against Indianapolis, go ahead. But to me, that's betting results over process. And to me, the only side you can consider here if you're doing process over results is Seattle. Yeah, it's, it is a it, – it, listen, quarterback, we, we cannot emphasize this enough. Like, yes, bad quarterbacks are going to eventually stumble into wins. It, it, it does happen. But PJ, we have enough of a sample size now of PJ Walker, and these teams have tape on him. It's not like the Bajent thing from a week ago, where it's like you know, like now teams have tape on him, and like like there's all this stuff that like you can start to like pick apart with. Like, we we've seen enough PJ Walker. Like I, I don't know what in the world you would be latching onto at this point with a banged up backfield with all the stuff they've got going on. Like yeah, it's it's super super tough. For me to 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 get there, yeah. If you want to take three and a half, more more power to you. You got to sit through that as well. You got to sit through PJ Walker if you want to if you want to play that side of everything. Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. This is seven seven and a half in favor of the Chiefs on the road at the Broncos. Forty seven forty seven and a half is your total. I said I had a bunch of teasers in my account this week. This is also a teaser leg down to a point and a half on the Chiefs. So what I did this week, guys, and this is maybe just. Let me, let me give you an idea of why I did this. And one, I have a higher risk tolerance than most people. So I will fully admit this, but I tied every teaser leg into the bills this week. And mainly because the bills played on Thursday. And if the bills broke up these teaser legs that I liked a ton, I could come back and refire on Sunday. Like I can still get these teasers in the account and, and all that. If not, then I have the first leg of all of these teasers that I really like home. And now I'm sitting really, really good in really, really good shape. And so I would advise if you have the risk tolerance in a teaser leg that you like exists on a Thursday, you go in and make the teasers that you like throughout the course of the week tied to that teaser. And then you're able to refire if for whatever reason that leg doesn't get home. And if not, you were like way ahead of the game, right? I mean, you're super, super ahead of the game as you head into an NFL Sunday, Adam. You, uh, yeah, you, I wanna, well, I want to ask you a question based on the back of that, yeah. because my favorite teaser leg of basically all of the time that I've been on God's green earth is going to be this Monday night. And mm -hmm. so how about Monday night with early Sunday lines for the following week? 
Yeah, no, you could absolutely. I think that's another thing that you could do. It, listen, anyone's ever played poker, right? Like the most valuable position on the table is on the button because everybody has to act in front of you and then you come in with the most amount of information possible, right? And so I just wanted to know whether I had a leg of his teaser, again, one that I was going to play anyway, one that I liked, if I if I had that home or not. And so now I have all this information already tucked away where I have five different teasers where the first leg is already home. Like I am literally just trying to get the second leg of five teasers home on a Sunday. And I think that if you have that type of risk tolerance, if you're willing to kind of put your eggs in a basket like I did right there in the bills, it can be a pretty advantageous way to kind of go about attacking a week where you do like several teasers, right? Where you like a bunch of different teaser legs to where, hey, look, if that one bombs out on a Thursday, you can still come in and refire and and feel pretty good about some of the other ones that you get into your account uh, a little bit later. But guys, I mean, we don't have to keep going over this, right? It's just, it's the Chiefs being the Chiefs. The, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, as long as Travis Kelsey is healthy, they're going to figure out ways to put points on the board. The play calling has been excellent. Patrick Mahomes is just a, a, a god walking amongst us. Every time they need a third and seven, he's going to run for it. Like, I mean, he's going to get it. If a guy's covered, he's going to run for it. He's going to get it. Like, it's just, it's, it's, there's no point in denying this team anymore. I wanted to. I was on this podcast the first four weeks and going, hey, guys, you look at the advanced numbers. This Chiefs offense is only about league average. Oh, it's only a little bit above league average. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm a freaking idiot. It doesn't matter. The Chiefs are going to be able to do whatever they want to. And so if I can take this down to a point and a half and they've only got to beat the the freaking Broncos by a point and a half, I'm going to do it because Patrick Mahomes will will it into existence. It's going to happen. He'll break his right arm and he will play the whole fourth quarter left armed and he will still win this game by a freaking point and a half. So there we go. There's my handicap. Y'all take it over from here. So you love the teaser. Uh, I I don't have a bet on this game, but I'll just say Eli and Mo on the Beat the Closing Number pod and our podcast feed or the Expert Picks video on YouTube. You can check that out as well. Uh, they're actually betting Denver in the points this week. So maybe you meet in the middle and you both win your bet. But Godspeed. Go yeah, go listen to that if you want to bet the other side. I won't do it because I had plus 10.5 on Denver in the first meeting between these teams and thought it was a miracle that they had a chance to even you know get that number. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm a hard pass on Denver at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll add this. I do not love and have avoided all season long teasing down favorites on the road. Um, it, it's my least favorite teaser spot. It should be your least favorite teaser spot. But make me the case for the Denver Broncos winning this game outright. And and uh, you really can't because anything you would tell me, I would question your sanity and I wouldn't listen to you. And so if you want to be on the side of taking seven with Denver and just praying and hoping that Russell Wilson can get something going in the fourth quarter when they're down 17. Seven and a half God for the bless. record. Seven and a half. Okay. Well, I also don't like that particularly. Yeah. I, I mean, they're I'll, both I'll on the board. There's seven, seven and a half on the board right now. So. Yeah. And, and here's the, here's the other thing about this. And like, I, I was being somewhat joking about that, you know, yes, I, this offense is again, I can't deny it anymore. There's nothing you can do about it. The other thing that you can also look at here is just the defense is a legitimate top five defense in the NFL. And that actually is where the, the, where we should be starting this conversation. I, it's just easy for me to go on the offensive rant that they are able to score no matter what they want to do. But they are facing a terrible offense with a top five defense in the NFL. And this is a team 
that not only blitzes a ton, but gets home with those blitzes. You are talking the seventh highest rate in the NFL with the number two pressure rate in the NFL. By the way, what is what is not going to happen from the Denver side? They're almost dead last in pressure rate. They're not going to get any pressure whatsoever on Denver. And then further, guys, further, how about this? That little rate, that little stat that I was talking about from um, from earlier on Sumer Sports, guess who has the most offensive line continuity in the NFL for the entire season? It's the Kansas City Chiefs. And, it, and it's Patrick Mahomes knowing his guys out there, knowing their strengths, knowing what they do well, knowing which plays to call and what to audible into in certain defensive formations because he knows all five guys that are out there on the line and how they're going to perform. It's just... You know, again, other side of a touchdown, there's, I guess, a case to be made. But I think the range of outcomes of how often does this game end up in double digits to how often does this game end up at three in favor of Kansas, I think is it, it's way more in the double digits for Kansas City than it is the three, in my personal opinion. I don't know if y'all disagree or agree or disagree on that. On we go. I agree. All right. Whew. Felt good. All right, Cincinnati Bengals and the San Francisco 49ers. This is four, four and a half in favor of the Niners at home against the Bengals. This is sitting 43 and a half. Full disclosure, my bet doesn't matter to you because I have a plus six on Cincinnati, which is not available and whatever. So let's just talk about this game from what we are looking at right now, which is not having the full... Injury, unless you guys have seen it since we've been on the air, has has have we gotten the final injury report from San Francisco yet? I'll let Stephen take the lead on that with his. I'll uh, you know I'll go look for it right now as we talk about the cap of this game. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm right I'm now. looking at it. I mean I, I'm looking I'm looking. We got it from Cincinnati, but we don't have it. I don't think from from San Francisco right now. And my guess is is they're delaying it as long as they can to see if there's any way in the world that for the first time since. Uh, in first time in 18 months that a person would be put in the concussion protocol and then come back in the same week in Brock Purdy. I looked at this as if Purdy was not playing. I can only assume you guys, as you were handicapping this as well, was also looking at this as if Purdy was not playing. Steven, am I, am I mistaken here? Uh, I'll just give you the latest information. It's still not 100%. Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted that the 49ers are listing Brock Purdy as questionable for Sunday's game. Uh, if he had cleared the protocol, I don't think he would be listed as questionable. That, to me, indicates that he still has a step to go. The beat reporter, Matt Barrows, about an hour before we started recording, said that Purdy practiced for the second straight day and, barring a setback, is on pace to be cleared from the concussion program on Saturday. Um that's that's where we're at. So, I guess so you have he to wait could till be Saturday the first guy. Yeah. Word. All right. So he could be the first guy in 18 months to go in and out of the concussion protocol within a week. Um, that is that's interesting. Uh, I still take the plus. Look, look. I, I mean, I still like my six on that. Let's 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 do this as if as if Purdy's playing. Then. So if Purdy's playing, this number is going to balloon back out to kind of where it was, which is like the five and a half to six is range. I'm still fine with my six on Cincinnati based off of two different things. One of which is Debo Samuel's still not going to be out there. We at least do know that. And with Debo Samuel not out there, that is a major weapon that I think we've seen over the last couple of weeks 
has really hurt this offense, and it takes away what Shanahan is able to do from the play, a play calling standpoint and getting really kind of wacky with some of the stuff that he does. The other part of this is if I downgrade the 49ers slightly because Debo's not out there, I also am upgrading Cincinnati coming out of a bye. And if we believe what they have been telling us, Adam, which is that Joe Burrow has been making strides each and every week for the calf to get better and better and better and better. He now has had a week off in which he has nothing but lion's mane, whatever rubbed all over his calf and all of the exotic urine that makes everything feel great. And all the different, all the things that he has been doing over the last week to get the calf ready to go in this game, T Higgins gets a week to help the ribs, all of that. Like the Cincinnati got by at like the absolute perfect time in all this, then getting the six is actually, I think a gift because if we knew all of that, how healthy they were and everyone was great to go, then this four, four and a half where we sit right now would probably be more of the number. So uh, in all that, I'm willing to back the slight downgrade in, in the 49ers and the slight upgrade in the Bengals and be proven wrong. If Joe Burrow's calf is still terrible and T Higgins is still banged up and all the different things like that. Folks, you can't just get exotic urine analysis on any <laughs> football podcast out there. You've got to come to the Lions Megapod and learn about what Joe Burrow is rubbing on his calf. It's Lions Mane and Cheetah Urine, and <laughs> he's going to be ready to go come this week. The most important thing that you need to know about this game is that Cincinnati is off the bye. San Francisco is off a short week. And we talked last week about the one and only trend that we like to look at, and that's the rest situation. And as Matt just said, not only is it rest, it's injury rest for the Cincinnati Bengals. Not only is it Joe Burrow, it's T. Higgins, as you mentioned. And so with Kansas City covering last week against the Chargers, that trend going back to 2013 against the spread for teams with 10 or more days against teams with six or less days of rest. That trend is now 17, six and two against the spread. So think about it this way. First of all, most importantly, I like Cincinnati. I like Cincinnati from the jump in this game with them getting a little bit healthier. Uh, what do you think is going to happen if Brock Purdy comes into this game, right? You're going to get more points, right? This, this is going to bounce back up to five, five and a half, maybe even six. Great. So if you like Cincinnati in the first place, then wait and, and you know, get more points. If you think this is playable anywhere over a field goal, and I do, then if the news comes out that Sam Darnold's in, yeah, it's going to push down to three and a half, but it's probably not going to push down to three because at that point, you're going to see a lot of people come in on San Francisco if this thing gets down to three just based on the uncertainty around Burrow. So I think you can play Cincinnati either way because as we well know, Matt, yes, I would much rather have the six than I would have the four, but anywhere from three and a half to five and a half, it's just not all that different. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's why if this thing does bounce back up, Guys, and this gets back up to where it was at the beginning of the week at five and a half. It's worth playing an expensive six, right? Like we're talking about that 20% of games land on three, six, or seven, right? Like, so like one in every five games lands on three, six, or seven, six being the, the third highest key number that there is in the NFL, five and five being like a completely dead number if it is. So that that's why I was happy to pay the 118 for the six. If you can pay, if you can pay 
less than 10 cents if whatever book you're at or whatever that goes about it like to get to that six i would highly recommend that it's worth the money if you're getting off the five and a half to the six if you're paying that little of a price so something to do as you continue to shop around with everything but steven i know you 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 like the 49ers a ton you follow the 49ers a ton if we look at this squad i i think you would at least agree uh without debo out there i'm not going to say the offenses look clunky i will say though that there's stuff that they can't do when he is out there that maybe has like maybe just ever so slightly taken away from some of the explosiveness. I feel about my favorite offense, the 49ers, the same way I feel about the Dolphins offense. If you take one of the big pieces away, then it becomes tougher. Like you cannot tell me that you have a ton of confidence in an offense that threw the ball 12 times to Jawan Jennings and Ray Ray McLeod last week. Like that's not ideal. Mm -hmm. Um, Trent Williams, their left tackle, is officially questionable for this game, too. We have no idea if he's going to play. That's a huge deal here as well. If he doesn't play, I would feel really, really bad about the 49ers being competitive and, and winning this game. If it's, Let's make sure we cover the other side here because this would be a shock based on recent concussion protocol history if Purdy plays. If he doesn't play and it's Sam Darnold, I don't think it's a downgrade. Uh, if you look at Sam Darnold's advanced metrics last year in Carolina, they were actually pretty strong. And now you give him Kyle Shanahan, I'd feel pretty good about that uh, if they're going to get protection against Cincinnati. So the only side I like here is if Darnold plays and it goes all the way down to two and a half for the Niners, which I don't think is going to happen. Yeah. So it's a moot it's a moot point for me. The, I will yeah. say one angle here that I think is interesting, and it's the market for the number one seed in the NFC. If the Niners lose this game, which could be very possible with the rest advantages you guys talked about and how banged up the Niners are, that would now be three losses for the 49ers. The Eagles have a murderer's row coming up against the Chiefs, Bills, mm -hmm. Niners, Cowboys twice, Seattle. That That's brutal. The Lions yeah. are plus 650 to get the number one seed in the NFC and have a very easy schedule the rest of the way. So... That's one angle here related to this Niners game yeah. that I would be looking at. I think that's no, I think that's good to bring up. Um, if you want to, and and so in a tangent, tangently, since I didn't bring this up in the uh, a little bit earlier, tangently, if you want to back Jalen Hurts in the uh, MVP market, now is the time to do it because let me tell you, if they win those games. Like if they like that stretch of games that Steven just mentioned, if they're winning those games, he's going to go down to like he's going to be a minus favorite to win the MVP. Like it's going to well, he's going to be like minus one fifty or something like that to win the MVP. And so you're you're not going to get a better number than you have today. Basically, is what I'm saying. And the if best, you think they have success, yeah. well, the best part of that, Matt, is that if you play it now on Jalen Hurts, he gets short and then somehow he flops down the stretch. You know what's going to happen to the Patrick Mahomes number while Jalen Hurts goes down? It's right. going to get longer, and then you can come right back in on some Mahomes, and you'll be covered. Yep, it'll be it'll, – it'll, like, play the play these awards things like a market, guys. Like, you know, it's, it's okay to have three or four different tickets so long as they're all working in conjunction to make you some money at the end. Like, don't, like, you know, don't get in a position where you can't make any money when you have multiple tickets, but there are ways to certainly manipulate the markets with things like that. Baltimore Ravens and the Arizona Cardinals. This is now nine and a half – in favor of the Ravens on the road at the Cardinals. I got this before it got there. This is another one of the teaser legs in there. This is this is uh, eight. This is down to uh, two and a half for me. Um, actually, two. I have the Ravens at two. So this was at eight. This was a flat eight at one point. In all of this, um, I think, and I could be wrong. 
Steven, I think this was listed at eight on the very, very off chance that Kyler Murray was going to come back. And then as that seemed less and less likely then this thing ballooned up to nine and a half where it sits right now, I could be mistaken, but I think the books were kind of leaving themselves a little bit of, of room. If for whatever reason he was going to play, it does not look like he's going to go in this 44 and a half is your total. I was glad to take the Ravens down in a teaser. I think that it is uh, the Cardinals are who we thought they were. They're going to be a bottom three team in the NFL. They're now Zach Ertz. Not that he's the greatest thing in the world, but Zach Ertz was getting a ton of targets. He's now on, on, on IR. Like it, there's lots of things going wrong there in Arizona. Give me the Ravens uh, a teaser leg here at almost 10. I think it's just a pass. I think it's just a, I think it's just a sit back and watch. Uh, mea culpa, boy, were we wrong about the Ravens last week, first of all. Uh, so I think a lot of yeah. us have them top five in the league now. Very impressive against the Lions. I, I bet Arizona on the look ahead thinking that Baltimore might lose that game. Very much did not lose that game, and now I'm on sitting on that look ahead <laughs> ticket. I will say Monawara bet Arizona plus nine and a half, so if you want to hear the contrarian side, go listen to the Beat the Closing Number podcast. I haven't listened to it yet. Can't wait because I feel terrible about this bet. Just looking at it, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But at least one person on our staff does like the nine and a half, which obviously is a very different bet than your teaser leg. Yeah, Adam. Um, I guess if we do, if we did want to, like, okay, let, let's play devil's devil's advocate for. Well, I'll play devil's advocate since everyone knows my my feelings on on all of this. The devil's advocate view could be. Hey, the Ravens feeling good about themselves to get the Seahawks next week. Then it's the Browns after that. Then it's the Bengals after that. Then it's the Chargers after that. So it's like this Cardinals game would be pretty easy to go in and think you're just going to stomp a mud hole in, in, in them. And it's not actually going to be the case. I mean, I guess there's stuff that could go along with that. There could also be the view that just last week was an aberration, right? You're sitting here and like, like, why? Why would we think that what we saw last week is going to continue each and every week when it didn't happen before all of that? I mean, my my take to that would just be, hey, listen, there is a there is a pretty good health concern here for the Ravens early on in the season and that has gotten healthier and healthier and healthier each and every week. And I think that's a pretty big thing that we can take with all of this. So um, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know where you sit on this, but like, give me a reason why someone would take either side of this. You would take either side of this because the idea that you're buying Baltimore at the top is not right. Mm -hmm. They haven't reached the top yet. Yeah. Uh, you just saw last week what is possible for them when things are healthy and when things are right. Keep in mind. What has happened with this team is that you've had weeks where the offensive line has been beaten to crap. You've had weeks where the receivers were dropping passes. You've had a couple of weeks where Lamar just didn't look totally comfortable. Mm -hmm. And you saw all of those things look right last week. And you saw them look good against a team that I think everyone in this podcast thinks is still a top 10 team in the National Football League. And the thing you have to keep in mind is that they had a new offensive coordinator. It takes time to make a switch when Lamar Jackson has been in the same yeah. offense from the day he was drafted and they were going and changing things up with Todd Munkin and people were saying, I don't see it. They're not different. Right. 
because the receivers haven't been healthy, because the line hasn't been healthy, because the receivers were dropping the ball. Like These are things that if we had seen them earlier with the Ravens, they wouldn't have been laying only three to mm. the Detroit Lions. And so I can endorse laying the nine and a half. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because of the fact that Baltimore is multiple measures better than this Cardinals team. It's not all that close. If you want a more conservative way to attack it, Baltimore minus five and a half in the first half. If you think they're going to come out and just lay the smack on them in the first half and you're worried about Arizona being a team that can chase, I'm not because they're scoring less than five points per game in the second half this year. So keep that in mind. Uh, but overall, what I would say to you is if you think Baltimore is good enough to win this game, you don't think Baltimore is good enough to win this game by a field goal. You think Baltimore is good enough to win this game in a smash. Yeah. And, and listen, we talk about that injury report, right? This is like if you are a Ravens fan, you probably you probably when it came through earlier today, you were like you, you were just looking up and you were doing your hands like this and you were got down on your knees and you were balling your fists because Odell Beckham, no status. Kayvon Seymour, no status. Roquan Smith, no status. The only guy out is Marcus Williams. And and that's it right now. And so it is like no offensive lineman even listed. Like all of it. I mean, it is the best injury report we've seen for this Ravens team since the season has started. And so with that, I, I think you got to be feeling really, really good about this team. And of course, we know what the Cardinals are doing. I mean, like at this point, yeah, it was fun while it lasted, but go lose the games, right? Go lose the games, get the pick. Like, what are you doing? Like, like go lose the games, get the pick, and then decide what you want to do with your franchise at that point moving forward. All right, Sunday night football, Chicago Bears. Oh, baby. Oh, Los yeah. Angeles Chargers. It is eight and a half in favor of the Chargers. Wait 46 and a half is your total. Sunday night. Yeah, yeah baby, <laughs> Chicago. Here we go. Chargers. Hey, mm. hey, hey, but Carrie looks good singing it, though, doesn't she? Like, Just I mean, as good looks, as I did right there. She, yep. she looks, she looks, she same, looks same, 50 50. Looks good singing it. So I said I had five teasers, guys. This is the fourth of five. I have the Chargers in the account, and this is mainly because now that we have a week of uh, – if the Chargers are not one of the worst teams in the NFL, we now have a week to examine what Tyler, Tyson, uh, Tristan, uh, whatever his name is, uh, uh, Bajent is, and what he looks like. And if they can't figure out, this is still in teaser territory, guys. This is, You can still, as of right now, get this under a field goal. If they cannot win against this secondary and against this offense with Bajent, no one knows his first name, if they, can't, if they cannot figure out how to win this game by a field goal, I'm not kidding. I think Staley could be like, Canned. Like I think he could like I think Staley could be fired in midseason. Like I I'm not even being hyperbolic when I say that. Like this would be the most underperforming team well, in lose. recent memory. They have, they have to lose. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. Well, if they don't cover the field goal, they're losing. Like, I mean, let's just be for real. Like they're not winning the game by a point. Like it's just like if they, they either win the game like they should or they're gonna lose outright and figure out a way to lose the friggin' game. And so if you look at this one, and Stephen, I'll, I'll start with I'll start with you here. But if you just look, and I, I can't even put into word like why, how in the world that this defense is as bad as it is 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 is, is literally shocking to me. Fortunately, though, you are running into a team 
that was already terrible passing the ball and now has an undrafted rookie playing quarterback for them. So if you cannot figure it out, you should get fired. You should lose your job and you should go and, and not have to, and not be able to collect the gigantic eight figure, whatever payday. I'm sure Staley's getting whatever high seven figures payday that you're getting every single, every single year for all of that. The talent is too big. The talent is too strong in order for them to continue to perform this way. That being said, I do think Justin Herbert is a little overrated as a quarterback top to bottom, but that's a conversation for another day. This apparently is my my hot take of the week uh, because it seems like everybody's lining up to lay a ton of points with the Chargers, and I actually think the Bears are, are live to win this game, believe it or not. The Chargers play a weak-ass soft I hope they do. I hope they do. Get that whole staff fired. Dude, I hope they do. But I mean, yes. I mean, listen, I literally, I'll be rooting against my bet. I want, I want the Bears to win. Win outright and get these guys out of town. But yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if it happens, here's how it happens. The Chargers play a soft ass zone defense. And this is from Derek Wagner on our staff at thelines.com. DJ Moore has caught 29 of 32 targets against zone this year for 348 yards and two touchdowns. The Chargers play 78% zone defense this year. Their cornerbacks, Michael Davis, bottom 20 coverage grade by PFF. He's allowed 126 passer rating this year. Asante Samuel has allowed the second most receiving yards in the NFL. And that's with the Chargers having a bye week already. So he's, he's allowed a ton of yards too. Now let's flip to the other side when the Chargers have the ball. The Bears defense is healthy now. And I know the schedule the past three weeks hasn't exactly been a murderer's row. But these are still really impressive numbers. Number three success rate defense, the Chicago Bears over the past three weeks. After the first four weeks of the season, they were 26th. Even worse if you filter out garbage time where they were 31st. So... Now they face a Chargers defense that since week four, when they lost Mike Williams, is 31st in success rate. And they are 29th in, uh, in success rate if you filter out garbage time. So it's, this offense is not good without Mike Williams. The defense is soft. Thaddeus Bajent may have a shot in this game. We'll see. I don't know. But it, I, I just think that everybody lining up the late points – with what this Chargers team is now is is taking taking a big leap here, I think. Adam, do you think that Tyron Bajent has a chance of uh, doing anything in this one? Guys, if you can't remember what the T stands for, then you just have to shorten his name. You shorten his first name, you shorten his last name, and you call him T-Bag. Okay, we could do T-Bag. <laughs> We we do that. I mean, listen. This, this is how is you know the, the podcast thing. has gone too long. But listen, oh, listen, man. Tyrion Badgett, Bajent, whatever. Yes, let's, let's, I like let's Tyrion. Game of Thrones okay. reference. Okay. Very nice. Uh, Tyrion Bajent. Uh, I am going to differ from Matt on one thing when it comes to this handicap. I could very well see this game landing within a score uh, because of this. There's actually something that Chicago has done well all season long, and it's run. Uh, their non-garbage time rush EPA is 12th in the league, and the one thing we know that the Chargers cannot do is stop the run. They haven't been able to stop the run for years. So they can't stop the run this year either. They're 29th in non-garbage time EPA defensively. 
And I could see a game script here in which Chicago controls this with the run game for quite a long time. And we have to watch the Chargers come back late and try to win this thing. I actually am comfortable taking the eight and a half with Chicago in this spot, which I don't think works in opposition to what Matt is saying about having them in the teaser. I don't know that. Yeah. How about this, Adam? So if we think that the ground game is success here, can you hedge your thought on that? Roshan Johnson's rushing prop is 30 and a half yards. So could you almost hedge your hedge your bet on that they're going to have success? If, if, the, if them having success in this game is predicated on running the ball successfully and he's going to be your primary ball carrier in the game, wouldn't he need to get 31 yards in order for, for this t- to work? So couldn't you maybe Ooh. almost half and half your bet there I, or something? I don't think you have to. I think you can same game parlay it if that's the mm-hmm. way you want to do it, right? And look at it this way. If you think they control the game by running the football, then you think that the Bears are, as Steven said, maybe potentially live to win, but they're definitely live to cover less than eight and a half too, right? If they're able to control the narrative here, then you could probably push this down to something along the lines of only taking six with Chicago and then parlay that with having Roshan Johnson over. You might even, uh, do, do we have a Dante Foreman uh, number? Like, yeah, he's like sitting, you, he's, they have 45 yeah, that, and a half. That's what I want I think you could probably, you could, well, you could put, you could go either way, right? You could do both. You could do either one. Right, exactly. Right. You yeah. Do both yeah. because yeah. those are both less than 50 yards against the chargers rush defense. Yeah. Right. Like you could say that both of them are going to be able to do that. And then you could play an alt spread down and you could probably get, I'm going to guess top, top of the head. I'm going to guess you could get 40 or 50 to one on, on something along those lines. If you're willing to give up some of the points. So when it comes down to it in the end, I hear everything Stephen was saying about the coverage situation with the Chargers, I don't think it's going to matter. And I certainly don't want to base my handicap on whether T-Bag is going to be able to get the ball downfield by any stretch of the imagination because last week, God, I could not believe the stat when I first heard it on podcast this week. Two yards. Two yards average depth of target. Two yards. Two yards for T-Bag. Like he he was not pushing the ball down the field at all, and he didn't have to because the Raiders are that bad. Uh, but newsflash: so are the Chargers. Defensively, they are that bad. So anyway, point being, I would take the eight and a half with Chicago. We could. I mean, there's some pretty interesting, like you said, some pretty interesting stuff you can do with the same game parlay if you wanted to paint a picture in which you know, the the Bears have success. Like you said, you could buy the number down a little bit. You put in Foreman over 40. You put in Johnson over 40. You know, now you're starting to already approach like six, seven to one. So anyway, there's there's interesting ways. Probably, you oh, I, you pro- I think you, depending on how far you're willing to push that spread, I bet you could get even yeah. better on that. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I, got sure. yeah so, I, I got one for you. I got one. I threw yeah. one in real quick. Uh, Bears plus three and a half. Foreman over 46 and a half rushing yards, Johnson over 30 and a half rushing yards and a Foreman anytime touchdown is only 12 to one because it's a lot of correlation there, but it, that, oh, that I was way the hell off. Yeah. Oh, Oh God. Sorry guys. 
I was yeah. way the hell off on. But you're right, Steve. That's just number, number that's based off the of the ridiculous thinking. correlation there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but but yes, I mean, but still, paints a picture of, of it getting home, and so you're still getting you know twelve to one on something like that. So and there's uh, odds boost that might get up to like twenty four to one or like something like that as well. Um, guys, we have a separate, always have a, a separate video, a separate talk for the Monday Night Football game. But Adam, we'll just go ahead and say this. Um, I'm on the teaser leg. You're on the teaser leg. Guys, you go get play, the teaser leg. Listen to yeah. me. Listen to me. If you have gone far enough in your journey to listen to this podcast, thank you. But if you have come that far in your life and you do not bet the Detroit Lions in a teaser this week, pair it with whatever in the hell yes. you want. If you do not bet the Detroit Lions in a teaser this week, you're doing it wrong. Turn it off. Throw your phone in a pool. And pretend you never heard a word that we said, because clearly you don't trust us. This is the single greatest teaser leg I have ever seen. This is the stone cold lock of the century of the week of the month of, of the, the of the millennium. Yes, I love this. Guys, anyway, guys, in, in all seriousness, yes. uh, guys, the the Las Vegas Raiders are bad, bad. Yeah, Dan Campbell has had the Detroit Lions eating sandpaper sandwiches all week long because they don't have enough grit inside them. He needs to show them that they are short on grit and they are going to be essing grit all week long. It is going to be coming out their pores. Grit in every way, shape, or form all through the week of practice. They're ready for this. They're yeah, going to grit the Raiders off the field. Biting kneecaps and everything else and all. <clears throat> We're going to get that done. Again, we'll have a full breakdown of that game on the channel here. And by the way, if you haven't hit the subscribe button already, what are you doing? Go ahead. You subscribe, subscribe but only if you're playing the Lions teaser leg this week. <laughs> and if you don't, then unsubscribe and go run the other direction. And hit the Show thumbs up button. Great and hit the subscribe a... button. We want your no, hit the thumbs down the button yeah. if you don't and bet the, the Lions this week. All the grit. And put the... That the comments. Let us know your favorite comment of the week. All that stuff. Thank you for giving us the Lions teaser leg. Lions crew. Do that's your comment. Free, absolutely free here. So there is 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 how you can pay us back. Just hit the subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Let us know in the comment section what your favorite bet of the week is, and also you go bet the Lions teaser leg. That's how you can also pay us back as well. So like, do Do it. There we go, Uh, guys. For Adam, for Stephen. Good luck on all your week eight bets.